0: Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All Things Crime. I am. Jared, I'm your host, and I am excited this morning. I have Doug Young with me. He's a uh, CSI at Thornton PD, but he's also got uh, a new company called Triad Forensics, and we'll have him talk about that in just a minute. But I uh, want to welcome you, Doug, to um, All Things Crime, man. Hey, thanks, Jared. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, it's awesome seeing you um, at IAI just, uh, uh, what, six weeks ago? Is that six weeks ago? And it went by Yeah, thousands. it's been six weeks already. Yeah, it's insane. Crazy yeah. how the time flies. Huh? <laughs> I, I'm I'm wondering if that's a function of age or if that's actually you um, you know relativity. What is that? No, I think it's probably uh, age. I keep feeling it every day. So, right, yeah, it happens. It's life, but uh, it it was good. So it was awesome hanging out. Yeah, with it you. Yeah, was a great right? conference. Yeah, and uh, Laura and everybody else that was there. So mm-hmm. yeah, but uh, yeah. It was- Welcome man. I've I've been I've been meaning to have you on for a long time and you know life just gets busy but um so to, you know what let's get right into it man. Let's uh, tell us about who who you are and uh kind of your career path man. I think a lot of people especially you know they'll see the TV shows and they see you know the CSIs and so you you were able to um uh, not only investigate crimes but you also help arrest the perpetrators and you go into the lab and you, um, you, you do all the samples, you do everything, right?
1: Yeah. I'm a uh, full service crime scene investigator. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, I started my career in, um, Indiana in, uh, 1993 working crime scenes. We, um, it was a very small rural department with, um, 10 deputies, I believe. And, uh, at the time the sheriff was very uh, interested in, doing more forensic stuff. That was what my degree was. So naturally, he started sending me to a bunch of different trainings and things like that. I was also teaching uh, the DARE program at the time. And I did that for about five years and um, was just burnt out. So I talked to the sheriff about doing more forensic things. And um, he wasn't opposed to it, but he was more... um, He wanted me to do the DARE program. So at that time, I, I was 98, I believe. Um, in January 99, I went to Austin, Texas, and uh, was a full-time crime scene investigator for the Austin PD. Wonderful experience. The Austin Police Department was uh, so good to me and to our crime scene unit. It was awesome. I worked for about four and a half years, got a chance to go back to Indiana as a chief of police, and uh, that was a great experience. Probably not my favorite job, but great experience. I learned budgeting and personnel and those types of things. Um, I was actually at a conference in uh, Dallas teaching at the I.I., and there was a uh, lady in the class from Boulder, PD, and I had mentioned to the class that, you know, I was wanting to get back into forensics full time. And she said, well, you might look at Thornton PD PD, as they're going to be hiring. So that was in 2007. And one of the funny things is uh, where our PD was in Indiana was where two uh, railroad tracks crossed. And I can remember doing the phone interview and a train going by. We had to pause the interview because it was so loud with the trains. But uh, in 2007, I moved here and uh, just been going ever since. And it's uh, super exciting. I I love Thornton. I
0: love the casework. And uh, we're just working all the time, and that's that's what I love. Yeah, now, for those of you that don't know, Thornton is actually right in between Boulder and Denver, basically, right? Yes, Thornton is probably about eight miles straight north of Denver. Yeah, just uh, ugly, horrible country, and nobody wants to ever come visit there, right? Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, nobody wants to come here. Everyone comes here, Jared. Oh, I know. I was... um... We just did, I, I just did a um, an interview with Congressman Burgess Owens, and we were talking about that. And he, um, we were like, "Yeah, we want to keep Utah a secret because you know we we don't we don't want millions of people moving here." But it seems like all of the western states. It's insane. I mean, moving trucks are just endless coming in here, and and it yeah, it's, it's a beautiful country, and you know, Colorado, Utah, the whole
1: uh, Wyoming. I mean, it's, it's just wonderful be able to get out into nature fresh air um hike in the mountains it's, it's unbelievable
0: oh yeah it's untouchable and it's um yeah i know at least my house has doubled in price and I, yeah, i'm sure i'm sure it's a, you know the same way and it, but it's not due to the inflation it's actually i mean your housing is because of supply and demand and it's yeah there, there's um there's a lot of a lot of building going on around here, and, yeah, and I'm I'm sure it's the same way in Thornton. So yeah, we're, we uh, Thornton keeps pushing north, so um, our our population is growing like crazy. Well, unfortunately, though, with that, uh, you also get uh, some crime. So yes, we do. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about some of your cases, man. What um, so what have you What have you been up to lately? Oh, uh, you know,
1: I've been doing teaching, been
0: doing some teaching, and uh, but. Casework is constant.
1: You know, just uh, over the weekend, we had a, a temp homicide. So it's never, never ending. But I guess one of the things in, that we're fortunate is we have really good technology to, to work those cases and
0: to maybe not completely solve them, but push them forward. Yeah, it's got to be probably of all the detectives and CSIs and, well, and even attorneys that I've talked to, I, th- I think the biggest. Frustration for them is when they, they think that, that the case is going well, the investigation is going well, and then you just hit a brick wall.
1: Yeah, I agree. And sometimes we, uh, I tell our detectives, you know, as a forensic guy, a scientist, I tell them, you know, the forensics in a lot of cases will help solve cases, but it also in times will uh, send it in a different direction. And they don't always like that. But, uh, you know, one of the things, Jared, that I was told a long time ago was um, that we're truth seekers. That's what we do. And I tell my fellow crime scene people in all my classes, I, I tell them, you know, that's our job. Go out, speak the truth, report the truth. We're the objective,
0: unbiased people that take that to the court and, and present that evidence. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times we have, we have gotten discussions and calls and things from uh, detectives when they're like, yeah, you know what? We were set on a certain suspect and we, we thought for sure that he was the guy and it's usually a he. And then ultimately we, you know, did something and sometimes it's, they use the MVAC. They were able to get a DNA profile and it wasn't the person that they thought it was. And all of a sudden they're, they're off on a totally different direction. Yeah. And as you know, uh, we had an MVAC,
1: uh, we've been one of the early customers, I think. But, you know, the case that really drove it home for us was we had a, it's actually still unsolved, but a lady that was found in a field who was wearing a sundress. And I actually came to Utah uh, when we had met at the conference and came back following year. And then Francine Bardot was one that did the extraction and stuff for us. But the cool thing was, and what you know, really proved the impact to me was that dress had been squabbed at least three times, I think. No male DNA. We impacted it. We brought the filter back. We sent that to the lab and we got a full uh, male profile. It was, uh, it ended up being someone that this lady lived with. So it wasn't, you know, too probative. Uh, they looked into it. And, but the impact was instrumental in getting us that profile. And, you know, we do a lot of cases for other agencies, even in other states,
0: have come to Thornton and we're doing them back for them. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Francine is just amazing. And, you know, she has been for years and years. She was one of the very first. I know you guys were the first in, um, well, I think you guys were one of the first. Either you or Arapahoe County. Yeah, I think Arapaho has one that yeah. As but well. I, I know as far as, uh, you know, utilizing the equipment and developing expertise in it. Yeah. You, you guys are right way up there and Francine, you know, she's since retired from West Jordan and she's started her own, her own serology lab and she's just rocking with all sorts of things. But, Oh
1: yeah. And I talk to Francine uh, a couple of times a year probably and just pick her brain on
0: some things. And it's, um, uh, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, great resource. So any of you uh detectives or or uh, investigators out there that are listening, Francine Bardol, she's she's still in Salt Lake area. And if you have any kind of questions, I mean obviously Doug, you're you're a great resource as well, and especially with all your training and everything you do. But um yeah, but Francine, man, she's she has been a huge advocate and you know the 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 cool thing about you guys that are the early adopters is you guys I think you have an an open mind and this just you know this this isn't about just the mvac but when you have the mentality that you guys do and you know you're not so set in your ways that you you're like well this is this is how we've always done it and so this is how we're going to continue to do it and i've run into a fair number of those but by having an open mind saying well we couldn't get what we need based on what we're currently doing so there's got to be another way yeah and i think you know you look at Forensic science itself, DNA, uh,
1: fingerprints, the development techniques, things like that, we're constantly evolving. And for me, if we don't have an open mind, then we're missing things. And I'm very, very fortunate with my bosses and the chief and those folks that they're totally behind forensics. So
0: uh, there's three of us in our lab, and we, we're rocking and rolling. And the impact is a big part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. So you started in what did you say, ninety eight? Ninety three. Ninety three. Older than you think Oh, there you go. Right on. <laughs> well, ninety three, that's actually when I graduated college and I was headed into the military. And so yeah, shortly well, by the end of ninety three, I was in Ranger school, man. So wow. Um yeah, that was a that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it it, it seems like yesterday, but then you look back on and you're like, Oh my gosh so long ago yeah i still uh i still have frostbite from <laughs> i went yeah i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy man that was a oh yeah. that was a rough well, for your service. oh it, you know it's my pleasure man it um it's pretty amazing how you know we look back on our past and we say you know this shaped me this this really determined who i am today and you know there's little things like you know, interactions with your dad when you were really young, for example. And, uh, you know, I'm experiencing that now with my twins and, you know, I have a, twins that are 12 and, and, uh, my youngest just turned 11 and boy, those three boys just man alive. They keep me on my toes all the time. So I love, uh, yeah, I love watching the shenanigans that you post in the YouTube and all that. Oh, uh, great. It makes me laugh. Yeah. Well, it's weird. My wife and I have actually, uh, boy, and this is um, way off topic, but my wife and I have actually thought about setting up some kind of a, a video system around the house just so that it's always rolling. Just catch some of the yeah. crazy things that these guys do. It's just, it's just hilarious. So funny. Yeah. So last story about the boys, but my youngest, my wife says she went down to wake him up. So apparently the, you know, he hits snooze on the alarm and uh, wake him up for school. and. He looked up at her and he goes, he goes, mom, if I get up right now, I'm going to have a major allergic reaction. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm sure. We're we're med- school, right? Yeah. The, med- <laughs> the medical community is going to be really interested in learning about, uh, some allergic That's reaction right. based on, um, waking up in the morning. <laughs> oh, all in the name of science. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I'm sure we could apply for a grant, you know, as much uh, yeah. money as, um, the federal government waste, then um, there's got to be something that can study that, right? Yeah, we should do the research on it. <laughs> I'm sure the boys would be interested in that. Yeah, you know. they would love it. Yeah, not have to go to school for a week or so. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. gonna actually test uh, allergic reactions based on waking up in the morning. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll bet we could get a couple hundred thousand for that grant. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Probably. Then we could make uh, Senator Rand Paul's list of wasteful. Um, Wasteful government spending. All right. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's get, let's get back on track here. Yeah. You know, this is one of the fun things about doing this video and and podcast is, you know, I, I get to interview such amazing people and all of you guys, you know, I'm, I'm such good friends with everybody that, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of you guys know my family and and vice versa. And so we're, it's, it's not too difficult to get off track, but yeah,
1: and I, you know, you make a great point that the forensic science community is very small. It's a, we're a very tight knit group, and you know, seeing you at conferences and seeing other colleagues, and generally it's probably once a year, but it's invaluable. And the, uh, you know, just like talking to you at IAI and learning more about what you're doing, the developments, and, and you know, just
0: everyone else, and it's a great networking thing, and we're all learning. And it's invaluable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'd say law enforcement in general is that way. And it's there's what 800,000 officers total in the United States. You know, if you think about that um, and and how many of those are actually investigators, you know, detectives and and CSIs and things. And so, yeah, there's it's a pretty small community. Yeah. You know, rightly so. You know, you probably don't need massive amounts of law enforcement, but at the same time, you need Mm -hmm. enough. That you can get the job done so absolutely which brings up a, a i i think would be an interesting question and one that's uh, kind of been a theme over the especially the last i don't know six eight and months where you know the the whole on on one extreme is the defund the police side and i you know and then but i i think that's that's such an extreme but it's kind of pulling everything that direction and i know a lot of a lot of agencies have lost some funding you know, they haven't completely been defunded like, um, you know, the Minneapolis, those people. But how has uh, the Denver area been as far as law enforcement in general? I mean, you guys, Colorado in general, is, especially over the last decade, has had some major changes, you know, like you legalized um, marijuana and all those kind of things. Has that affected your crime rate? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the growth
1: in Jordan. Um, In Colorado, in general, I think that the legalization of marijuana was uh, was instrumental in bringing all those people here. Um, As far as you know, law enforcement in general, several of the laws have changed and things like that. But you know, we're in pretty good shape here. And um, like I said earlier, I'm very fortunate to work for an agency that's supportive of their employees, supportive of the lab, patrol, and I think there are those
0: extremes. But we don't see it here. Oh, you're really lucky. Yeah, it's um, it's it seems like it's it's more the major metropolitan areas, you know, like Denver. It's, you know, the downtown Denver area. Right. But I, I was also I want to say the week after I, I, I was at what's called Chia, which is the California Homicide Investigators Association. And so ironically, they always do it in Las Vegas. Can't can't imagine why they would do that. But I don't know. Plenty of places in California, right? <laughs> well, apparently um, none of them are big enough to uh, to host uh-huh. this meeting, so they always do it in Vegas. But no, it's a nice getaway, and this year was awesome because it wasn't right on the strip. So uh, it was actually at a at a really nice uh, casino, kind of um, off the strip, and it's called uh, Red Rock Casino. As yeah, beautiful, oh, nice, yeah. The interesting thing about those guys is some of them just felt completely handcuffed, and you know, not really able to do. A lot of the investigations that they should be able to do, and it's it's kind of sad because you can also see in many places in California that just the status you know you get these massive tent communities going and i mean those those kind of areas nothing is really good happening there and and I'm sure a lot of not not just not just drugs but you know assaults are happening down there. I don't know, rapes for the, any women that are down there, especially, you know, with all the drug flowing, you know, it's just, um, it, it's almost like a separate community, almost like a no-go zone for most people. But for law enforcement, it's a huge, just a, a huge headache. And, you know, I, I'm sure Thornton doesn't experience anything that drastic, but got to be happening in Denver. Yeah. And I think
1: when well, you look at, you know, just the homeless population, it's a sickly thing, right? Like it, the more people, the more problems you're going to have. So it's just this vicious cycle. And I know that, you know, Denver's doing the best they can to deal with it. But, you know, here we don't uh, experience that near what they do in Denver.
0: Yeah. I, I consider, like, Thornton probably a mid-size PD. You know, mid sized is smaller, you know, just based on your community and the needs that you have there. But for me, I, I kind of place law enforcement agencies in three categories. And, you know, the smaller ones are like the, the department in Indiana, where you said you started, you know, where you have maybe 10 sworn officers and, you know, that, that size of a department where you, you know, maybe your community's 20,000 people or, you know, 40,000 or something like that. It's pretty small, but you know, that that's the kind of community I grew up in and, you know, everybody knows everybody. And so when we would, um, me and my brothers would do something, we'd screw up, man somebody was calling my dad before the police could ever get there and they knew. And we used to drive this big green suburban, we called it the Rhino and it was the only one in town and everybody knew who owned it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I was the same way. I mean, I grew up on a farm and my dad was a school
1: principal and so it was in the same district that I went to school. So I was like, he always told me that I'll know that you're in trouble before anyone else is because they'll call me. And then when you get home, yeah, you you probably know how that goes.
0: Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.